A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for Jew first and then Greek. For in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous by faith will live. The wrath of God is indeed being revealed from heaven against every impiety and wickedness of those who, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what can be known about God is evident to them because God made it evident to them ever since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. As a result, they have no excuse. For although they knew God, they did not accord him glory as God or give him thanks. Instead, they became vain in their reasoning. Their senseless minds were darkened. While claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the likeness of an image of mortal man, or of birds, or of four-legged animals, or of snakes. Therefore, God handed them over to impurity through the lust of their hearts, for the mutual degradation of their bodies. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and revered and worshiped the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever Amen. Verbum Domini. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day pours out the word today and night to night imparts knowledge. Not a word nor a discourse whose voice is not heard. Through all the earth their voice resounds, and to the ends of the world their message. Dominus Fabiscum, et 
Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, Although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you are filled with plunder and evil. You fools, did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate uh, the, feet, the memorial of St. Ignatius of Antioch. He was a martyr in the early church. He was martyred in 107. He was the bishop of Antioch, modern-day Turkey, and he was sentenced to death in the Colosseum in Rome. And in his journey to Rome, he writes letters to various churches. And we have uh, these letters today. And it's a wonderful uh, teaching about the role of the bishop uh, the Church, uh, the Centrality of Christ, the Eucharist. You know, he heard St. John the Evangelist preach. So this is very close uh, to, to Jesus' coming, and he had contact with these, the apostles that received the fullness of revelation. So he could write authoritatively on these themes, and he's talked about real discipleship versus walking as enemies of the cross of Christ, that the real disciple is the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and bears much fruit. He would say that the greatness of Christianity lies in its being hated by the world, not in its being convincing to it. That is a supreme witness, right? If we are willing to suffer for the gospel, and that is such a powerful evangelization because it gets everyone's attention. But these just aren't words. You know, St. Ignatius and the martyrs staked their life on Christ and willing to die and suffer for who he was, his teaching. As I mentioned, he spoke and wrote about the Eucharist. He says, I take no delight in corruptible food or in the dainties of this life. What I want is God's bread which is the flesh of Christ, who came from David's line. And for drink, I want his blood, an immortal love feast indeed. That focus on Christ, that he kept his eyes on the Lord and following him. And today we have Christ present to us in the Eucharist in the most extraordinary way. This is the fullness of revelation, Jesus Christ, the fullness of God's word to us. The readings today are from the ordinary time readings, but I think they fit uh, with this saint. <clears throat> we have Romans uh, 1, chapter 1 here. 
And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The power of salvation. The power, I mean, the power of God for salvation. And if we believe this gospel that's been revealed to us, taught to us, it is for our salvation that we can be saved, repenting of our sins, turning to God, living by the light that he has given us to conduct our lives. Paul goes on to write about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is indeed being revealed from heaven against every impiety and wickedness of those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This wrath is God's response to sin, his detestation of sin, right? Sin, evil, wickedness can have no part of heaven, so it suffers his wrath. But we need to hold that with this salvation that he offers us and the gospel that he loves sinners, he loves us, he's merciful to, towards us, he offers us forgiveness, but he doesn't indulge our sin, he doesn't excuse our sin. Paul writes, ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. And what he has made. If we look at creation, this is, as Thomas Aquinas wrote, the first book of his revelation to us. We look at the natural world. We look at the order and beauty. This is his creation. This is his revelation of whom we could see the artist and the artwork that he has made. We know that we can just through reason, not even through faith, through reason, we can know that there is a God, that he exists, that he's the origin and end of everything. That beauty has God as its source. Every time we see it, you know, we can, it points us to God. It's a participation in the, in the beauty of God, who is beauty itself. And it can be a real contact with us. It can lift our minds and hearts to God. I was driving on Sunday. I went to a, like a local state park. Somebody was telling me how nice it was. I went to look at it. And I was listening to news and stuff on the, like a podcast and wasn't thinking about God. You know, you're focusing on all these issues and difficulties and problems and brokenness and fallenness of the world. And finally, I, I just stopped the car and got out and just walked a little bit in the woods, looked at the beauty of creation. And it has such a, a calming effect on us. It points us back to God. He made this world for us. It's, it's his word. It's his speaking to us. So it's going to nourish us. It's going to lift our minds and hearts to him. We can have some peace. It just feels like, you know, we, even secular people talk about the awe that nature inspires. I was recently just reading an article about this, that it, it gets us out of ourselves and leads us to, like, kind of reaccommodate ourselves. It kind of disturbs us to get us out of our own small vision of things and see it from a bigger 
perspective. And it produces this effect of awe, and it makes us even check ourselves. What do we believe? You know, what do we think? Because sometimes we could just focus on the problem and get kind of cynical. You see something beautiful that points us to God, and we think, okay, he's, he's in control here. And it can produce a peace and a joy. And even the secular studies talk about, you know, this new desire to help others, this new experience of communion with all of life. It makes the world a you know, more livable place. Paul goes on to write, although they knew God, they did not accord him glory as God to give him thanks. So he was saying they were hardened and refused to believe, rejected this faith that reason, that right reason, could lead us to a belief in God. And if we reject him, you know, the contrary part is if we have faith, it can confirm and correct our fallen reason. Because sometimes we get it wrong, right? With reason, there's this fallen aspect that our intellects are darkened, our wills are weakened. But with reason, there's still, and this is through all cultures, through all history, we can discover God's wisdom. We call it the natural law. Through reason, we participate in the very wisdom of God, his wisdom and the goodness of God that Catechism teaches. It expresses that original moral sense which enables one to discern by reason the good and the bad. It is universal and mutable and determines the basis of the duties and fundamental rights of the person, as well as those of the human community and civil law. God is the lawgiver, and through reason we can know the wisdom behind that law, to some degree. To some degree, because we're fallen, it needs correction at times. And that's what Revelation does. We have the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are an expression of this natural law that we can know through reason. You don't kill, you don't cheat, you don't lie, you don't steal. You know, do good, avoid evil. Those are things reason can tell us, but obviously we can talk ourselves into anything. <laughs> when self-centeredness gets in there, we can distort things. So we need that, that revelation of God we see in the Old Testament. Jesus gives us the new law, which of its essence is the Holy Spirit. So he's confirming, he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You know, the people said, he teaches with authority. So he, he is speaking with authority on the Old Testament scriptures, on the law, and he's come to give us the means to, to fulfill that law, to live it, the grace of God, to have the Holy Spirit. But if we reject even this natural revelation, we could say even this natural law, Paul tells us, therefore God handed them over to impurity through the lust of their hearts for the mutual degradation of their bodies. They worship the creature rather than the creator. They did not allow themselves to be led to God, 
to be led to belief in his existence, to see his teaching uh, through the natural law, through revelation, through scriptures. And he goes on in the next verses to speak about this handing over to impurity. He speaks against homosexual actions. You know, that they're always, you know, the church teaches they're always wrong to act on that inclination in any circumstance. But I think it's powerful to remember how he begins here is that God loves us. He loves us all. He loves us in our sin, in our sinfulness. He hasn't abandoned us. He's left us a gospel. That's the power of God for our salvation that we can, by his grace, live the righteousness of God. We can be holy that he's placed this universal call of holiness for everyone to come and know and to love him, that is possible by God's grace. You know, the, the church teaches, Council of Trent solemnly defined this, that he doesn't command, that he, do, he does not command what he does not make possible, that he gives us that grace to live this law, to be holy. It's the power of God this gospel, this revelation. May we be faithful to it and living it in our own lives.